This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. And Brooke Huar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, final hour here. The Brock and Salk Show is brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. Uh, ranking, I got, a, I think, a fun rank for today. Uh, it's coming Are we up. ranking Iras? Uh, Iras? Ira. What about Spokane? It's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Ira and Spokane are the best dunk of them all. Of course, you got the Roth Ira, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's all depending on when you want to put your taxes, whether True. you want to pay them ahead or whether you want to pay them down the, low, down the road. It's traditional Ira versus a Roth Ira. Mm-hmm. Shannon Dreyer joins us uh, from one of the great cities in the world, San Diego. Good morning, Shannon. How are you? I'm fine, but you say it's a great city. Have you checked the weather report for the next couple of days here? I assume it's 72 and sunny. Isn't nope. it always 72 no. and sunny? No. Nope. It's, we're nope. not going to see the sun. What? Probably this entire time in California, which it just continues. That is bizarre. <laughs> well, uh, I, <laughs> Shannon, I just took 30 minutes of phone calls of people dunking on me and telling me what an idiot I was, which was fun, by the way. More fun than I thought it would be. This team right now is a disaster. What is the biggest problem? The biggest problem is the offense. Uh, you know, it, it was painful to see what's happened with the pitching, and you keep an eye on that, the starting pitching. I think the bullpen is absolutely going to be fine. Uh, and there are some concerns with the starting pitching if you are going forward with that young of a rotation. But the biggest problem is the offense. They have failed to get traction of any sort uh, you've had individual struggles. You've had hitting philosophy struggles. You have had complete uh, lineup and hitting together as a team struggles. Uh, the acquisitions that were brought in are not helping the situation at all. Uh, you've got to score runs to win ball games, and the pitching has given you every opportunity to win ball games. And it's been the offensive side that has come up short. And uh, it's plain and simple. You could go into a billion numbers. All right. So why? This. So so so. All right. We all know it's the offense. Why? Why is the offense so bad? Well, the strikeout is a big part of it, although I will point to it. And there was a graphic that went around quite a bit over on Sunday about the number of strikeouts uh, for four ninths of your rotation has, which is not good. But, you know, just to point out, you can live with the strikeouts if you also have the slugging percentage. And the problem is with Teoscar Hernandez, with Eugenio Suarez, you don't have the slug. You just have the strikeouts. I mean, if you look at those numbers, Aaron Judge is among the top strikeout, uh, has one of the highest strikeout percentages in the game. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and, or Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez and Mike Trout have the same strikeout percentage, and it's high. You, you, there is a trade off there, but the problem is, is you've got empty strikeouts mm-hmm. in, in two huge parts of the lineup, Suarez and, and Hernandez. In particular, Jared Kelnick has struck out a lot more in May than he did in April, but he's still maintaining a decent WRC plus. He's still getting on base. And so, you know, that, that's kind of one way to look at it. But the biggest thing in, in what you hear is that they are not following the philosophy of dominate the zone. And that doesn't mean sit back and try and take walks. That means don't miss the pitches you can handle and do damage with. They're missing the pitches that they can handle and do damage with, and then they're getting into a cycle, many of them, of swinging at pitches they have no doubt, no no business swinging at whatsoever. Uh, so you've got a problem, and you've got guys that you know have done it before, 
and they're not getting it done right now. And some of the most, you know, absolutely frustrating things to see is sometimes you'll see hitters that are so lost right now that they're staring at pitches right down the middle. They are, you know, individual struggles are having a huge impact on this team. And that of course affects what they can do as a group. And what we saw what a lineup can do as a group is what we saw when the Yankees were here. And that Yankees lineup looked nothing like most of the Yankees lineups that we have seen throughout the years, but they were able to do very similar damage. I'm not talking, take judge out of that. They still had good approaches at the plate. They still had a good plan and they were still able to do enough damage to get by uh, some good Mariners pitching. Shannon, is this controlled his own philosophy sustainable? I think it's something that you probably have to look at. I mean, I think everything is on the table right now. When you have this much of a failure across the boards with the offense, you have to look at everything. Was it who you brought in? Was it the philosophy? Was it the messaging? Was it getting the messaging to the players? You have to figure out what it is. You know, and another thing that's kind of snuck into my mind of late, and it's on both sides of the ball, is a few weeks ago, Scott Service, I think we were in Oakland, said, you know, there were frustrations with what the offense was doing. And he said, you know, this we are far too easy to pitch to right now. And I don't think they've taken many steps from that. I think there have been a couple of times when they've they've come out of that a little bit, but on a consistent basis, I think they're still pretty easy to pitch to. And I think you do see starters come in, and all of a sudden you see some usages flipped a little bit. You do start seeing a little bit more of the sliders and the breaking balls than they normally throw, and I think it's been effective for them. You know, and if the other teams know how to get you out, you need to know how to make the adjustment. And there has been frustration that you haven't seen the adjustments. I think one of the words that two words together that have continued to jump out to me are consistency and focus. And, you know, I hear you talking about the Yankees and I agree with you, a a lineup that in theory, other than than judge really is somewhat inferior to what the Mariners are running out there, looked that much better and put up that many runs because of its consistency, its focus and its its uh, dedication to its plan. Why is this Mariner team struggling with consistency and focus? Well, yeah, I think when you see those wild swings, uh, you know, at the sliders in the dirt or or well out of the zone, I I do think you can point to focus on that. You know, you're out of your plan if you're doing that, and there is an element of focus that is with that. Some of it is, I think, they're young hitters. And I think some of it also is is your philosophy in the offseason was to go out and to get players, one-year players, not big commitments. And I think that sometimes there's a lot of pressure on that player. And I think that that can play into it, and that can you know hurt the focus when you step up at the plate. If you mm-hmm. are in that contact or contract year, and things aren't going well, things can spiral pretty quickly in that situation. And some of it's the players that they went after that are kind of prone to the strikeout, whether it be Teoscar Hernandez or Eugenio Suarez, who was a throw-in. They had to take you know take him. He was not somebody that they were targeting, but you know maybe he comes into this year and feels the pressure of repeating what he did yet last year. And right now, unfortunately, at the plate, you're seeing more of the Cincinnati Red Suarez than you saw the Seattle Mariners Suarez last year. Still playing great defense, which is something new for him. That certainly is Mariner. But what he's doing at the plate, you know, is that pressure. And that goes to focus as well. And, you know, so the fact that you have so many individuals along those lines doing that, that's, you know, it only snowballs on itself. One thing that I saw that I really kind of liked, and by, we were, I was in Clubhouse briefly last night. I'm not able to do that after most games because I'm doing a post-game show. 
And you did see some signs of, um, you know, there were some frustration. I saw Ryan Divish, uh, you know, wrote on Saturday. There was frustration in the clubhouse Saturday night, and, and Suarez yelled something. And I was not in the corner of the clubhouse where it happened, but Cal Raleigh talked to Corey Brock um, one-on-one, and he, he said they kicked our butts. You know, we have to be better in, in the counts that we're getting into. We didn't hit. We didn't run the bases smartly. We didn't play good baseball. You know, Cal came out with it, and you don't, and you haven't heard that kind of thing in a long time. He said, "We're not pitching well, we're not hitting well, we're not running the bases well. It's something that we need to address and fix before it's too late." And he said, "We came in here and played three terrible games in a row, and I'm pissed." Mm. You know, that's you don't hear that nearly as often as you did, say, five, ten years ago. You know, it's it's always, well, we're sticking with our process. And as long as we're with the process, it's going to be good. Or you don't hear players that are going to say something negative. What Cal Raleigh said last night is something that you would have heard in those clubhouses 10 years ago. And that's what you need. You need to know that there is somebody in that clubhouse who's looking around. And, you know, I don't care if I did everything right, process right, you know, everything right, process wise. This is the result. And this is where we are. So it was good to hear that that actually was in the clubhouse in, in one corner at least, and you hope that that is something that they are talking about behind the scenes because they are in a bad spot right now. They do need to come together, and Raleigh is a guy who admittedly has you know taken those steps over the weekend. You know he had the big hit on Friday night. He shortened up to do that. You know he sacrificed himself, and I'm not going to go take a big swing. And I might look a little silly choking up on the bat right here, but I, we don't need a home run right here. We need to put the ball in play, and he did that. And, you know, you're hoping that you see more of that rather than I've got to get out of the slump or I've got to hit the home run or I've got to be the guy in this situation. You know, every person can only do so much. And that's what we saw a little bit more with that Yankees lineup. Shannon, great stuff. Thank you for the insight. I'm sorry you're not going to see the sun in San Diego. That uh, doesn't seem quite normal. So uh, it's beautiful here. Hopefully we'll <laughs> still be when you get back. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. All right. Our Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer, with the team. And uh, you can always read her stuff at seattlesports.com. All right. We'll come right back, give you everything you need to know. We'll talk through this a little bit more. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. It's about as bad as it gets. That's what we saw in Texas this weekend. The Mariners were, in a word, awful. They were terrible. They were swept out of Texas with barely a competitive game. I mean, Friday night they pitched well, but they were shut out. Saturday and Sunday, they just got their doors blown off. We're not playing, you know, winning baseball against top flight teams. They are a top flight team based on the start they're off to this year. And you have to give them credit. Again, it's one of the best offenses we've seen all year. So a uh, ton of credit there. And on the flip side, you know, we didn't pitch our best or play our best in this series. So that's really a combination. Of no, they haven't played well at all. Shannon Dreyer pointing to the offense and so did manager Scott Survey. You know, certainly it's been a struggle for us to put runs up consistently at any point for the season. We've had stretches here or there and we start to get it going a little bit, but uh, um, it's up and down the lineup. You know, that's that's what it takes. Um, you know, if you're not hitting a ton of home runs, um, it just takes consistent at-bats, and, and um, you know, we need to get it going. There, there's no question about that. Um, again, it's it's not for lack of effort. Uh, I think, you know, when you're not hitting, it looks like you're not trying. Uh, I think guys are trying. We're not executing, whether it's getting the guy in from third, whether it's having a, a really good at-bat, you know, in a critical part of the game. 
it's not going our way. We have to do better in those situations. And trying is good enough until you get to the pros, and then it's not. I mean, you got to execute. That's the gig. Yeah, and then you get to June, and you're nine and a half back of Texas. You know, you're back under 500. Your run differential is right at plus three. You're a 500 team. Most of these projections before the season that came out and, and looked at this roster and looked at the A.J. Pollock move and the Teo move and the Wong move said, yeah, this is a 85-win team, 82 to 85. That, that's what you are. Nobody, and, and that is, by the way, with an American League East that is taken off. Uh, an American League West, frankly, with, with Houston playing much better ball and, and Texas one of the best teams in baseball. And when you have stacked up with those teams, right, when you have stacked up with teams with winning records this year, you have won two series, both at home, Houston, that took a five-run, miraculous eighth inning, which they did, which is baseball, and you give them all the credit in Pittsburgh. And that is it when it comes to facing winning competition this year. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, big week ahead for the Seahawks here. Brock P. Carroll, obviously very excited about everything that's been going on. But uh, they're going to get the full squad together. Mandatory workouts, mandatory minicamp. Start tomorrow and go for three days of practices. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Moore and I were over there, what, on Thursday last week. And things do look pretty good. I mean, look, the offense in general has looked better than the defense. Although the defense had a really good day on Thursday. The biggest difference I see is when Geno's out there, it looks like they've got a number one quarterback, which is great. And when Drew has come in, it has looked um, not like that. Less so. Less so. It it just looks slow. I mean, it just looks like it doesn't have that same command, that same sort of crispness and tempo that you always tell me is so important. Yep, it is. It's it's the details. And, you know, it's time on task. And and Gino has had it with Tyler and with DK and with those ones and you know, that whole starting unit. And, and nice to see that some of the additions and, and some of the, the Evan Browns at center have, have not slowed that down for Gino as they've been operating. And and it will be fun. This is it. I mean, mandatory minicamp. You get to see everybody, right? Jamal and, and Jordan are going to come into town, so they're not fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're going to be at least on the sidelines. I'll be curious if Jamal is open to the public or open to the media to get a chance to talk to. But they will all be there. The, the sense of urgency uh, will be up because the light at the end of this whole offseason tunnel is over in three days. And then the next time they're all collectively together is the start of training camp. Here's the third thing you need to know. Uh, tough for the UW softball team. They were close, Brock. Had a great run, beat Utah Friday, but then they lose to both Florida State and Stanford in the next two games, and that is it. Coach Heather Tarr. Maddie Husky and Silent Rain starting, and Sammy Reynolds starting in our lineup as freshmen, thinking like, you know, they were in Sydney Stewart's shoes. They were clueless sometimes, like, where am I? What am I doing? And how do I, you know, how do I hit it this at this stage? Um, and now to see them, you know, like they're refined, they're confident. Uh, it just gives you hope when you develop younger ones. Um, there's a model. So we're, we're just proud of them, excited and excited to try to do it better than they did it next year. You know her a little bit, right? She was playing when I was playing back yeah. in the day. Yeah, she's a couple years older. She was a great player herself. That is a culture when she talks about development and culture that has been around for decades. That's been largely unwavering. They have just been, and they've been in that World Series an awful lot, and they were right there, man. They were, now, nobody's going to beat Oklahoma. I don't know if you watched much of that softball. It's a great sport to watch, and Oklahoma's won 48 in a row. I mean, they're unbelievable, unbelievable in that sport and going to be, you know, back-to-back champs. But uh, their culture and their development and their people are phenomenal. It's why there's a great following. It's why a lot of purple was back there in Oklahoma supporting them. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, a 3-1, a 1-0 loss knocks them out of the College World Series. And then finally, two great stories in golf this weekend. First, it was Victor Hovland who wins the Memorial and against a really stacked field. Today, though, he's caddying for his college teammate. What a good friend. 36 holes he's caddying in the U.S. Open qualifying. And then Stanford women's star Rose Zhang turned pro last week and then won her first tournament. Won her debut, first LPGA player in 72 years to win her debut on tour. Pretty cool. Unreal. It's everything you need to know. Uh, We do that quarter past every hour. By the way. By the way. Okay. Oh, you you can by the way. I got it by the way. Oh, all right. I know you took some personal dunks and stuff and and some tough tough, uh, stuff there in in the 8 o'clock hour, but I got to ask something personal. Can I do that? Can I just ask a personal question? Yeah, go ahead. Have you shrunk? No. Like, I know you've lost, what, 30-some pounds. You look great. I saw the picture that Maura tweeted out, and I'm like, man, Salk just looks good. He looks vibrant. He looks alive. He's not swollen. You just look great. Thank you. On, on your half of the picture. And then Mike <laughs> Morris is on the other half of the picture. And I'm like, has he become Tim Kirkchen? If you'd become a little person, no. you looked teeny well he's gigantic you looked borderline dwarf stop that he looks he's a huge human being he's honestly one of the biggest people i've ever seen he's mammoth really yes he really is bigger than you realize i could not believe how big he was and plus i think mora has sort of a funky angle designed to make me look extra small (laughs) it just kind of seemed that way i don't know remember that picture with passing and kirkton we asked him about last year (laughs) right was that there was frank thomas or somebody that yes it just made him look teeny i mean frank thomas is gigantic but the angle of that this guy's huge he's gigantic listen to him i mean i'm not really fat like when i take off my shirt like you can see the former six-pack that used to be there so um, you look you like know. you could add 20 more pounds. Yeah, if you needed yeah. To. so like I, right now I'm like I weighed in like 296 the other day and like I look in the mirror I'm like Bro, I don't, I'm not fat so like it's not really a big deal so I feel like I put on a lot of muscle and all that I feel like I could easily be like 310 ripped so I'm really excited for where my body can go. Doesn't he, got a, doesn't he have a Mike Bennett to him? <laughs> He's got a little Mike B. He's got a little, I'm, I'm looking at this picture. I mean, seriously. Stop it. You, you know, look the size of the exercise bike. Like, would you? Would you? <laughs> well, Mora's also so tall. She takes the picture from such an angle, right? That it doesn't. Yeah, have she's there. she's looking down on me. She was holding that camera Maybe above her head. It's my fingers getting in the way. God, how did this become about me now? Well, it can't be about me. It's about you and Mike Morris. We're dunking on salt today. Yeah, that's all right. That's my day. I'm sorry. I just needed. To, I no, just by all means, ask. dunk away. What do I care? Uh, do you want me to answer any of the dunks? What do you want me to do? Oh my gosh! I'm going to try to get up off the mat next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I'm sore. It hurt a little bit. Not going to lie. Getting dunked on like that, Brock. Kind of hurt. Yeah, Alton Lister bruised tailbone. He was out, out for a while. Out. I may hit the uh, IL. You may not send me. <laughs> yeah, you may not. I may not be able to make it in tomorrow. I'm Did we get sure. any name on who Tom Chambers dunked on? Did that come on the text toy at all? Uh, we know we found uh, out it's Mark hour. Jackson. What? It was on Mark Jackson. Yeah, wasn't really. Yeah, how about that? That was pretty good. It was on Mark Jackson. Yeah, yeah and, we, and we missed Vince Carter. I mean, it's it's fresh. Great one going over. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Just hang on a little bit. We're going to get to some of these uh, before oh, the before the day. If there's anything oh, that we oh. learned from that dunk session, I think it's that. <laughs> People are willing to be a lot more mean on the text line than they are on the call. Of course they are. You got a lot of hate over the last few weeks on there, and people were 
pretty nice. Pretty mild mannered. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, I just want to say thanks. I uh, really like the show. Uh, uh, Mike, uh, you don't really get it. Like, yeah, I mean, it just kind of, it's a lot easier to be very brave when you're behind a keyboard or whatever. And that's fine. I mean, that that's okay. We could always do mean tweets for you, too. That's fine. Oh, jeez. Oh. Here's the great thing. They don't even need to be about tweets about the Mariners. It's, yeah. It could be oh. tweets about Spider-Man or Rose Zhang or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I was reading some to my wife last night. So, yes, don't worry. I'm hearing all of your wonderful things that you're all saying about me. It's nice of you. I appreciate it. Um, do you want me to try to explain I mean, look, I've got a bunch of there's a bunch of reasons. There's a bunch of logic in this. I think that and Shannon brought up the word process earlier. I I don't necessarily I still don't really have a big problem with the Mariners process. I think the execution was terrible. Mm. I don't have a big problem with their process. I think they could have absolutely gone out, spent the exact same amount of money and done a better job than what they did. They spent money on A.J. Pollock. They spent more money on A.J. Pollock than the Pirates spent on on uh, on Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. Well, not, that's not a money issue. They chose wrong. Mm-hmm. They spent money on Teoscar Hernandez for $14 million. They could have brought in any number of other players who could have done better. Brock, did you mention Luis Arias earlier? Yeah, they, they could have traded for Arias instead of Teoscar and saved some money and been better off. They could have well, done I that think, instead of Colton Wong. Like, is, is Arias the second baseman? They could have traded for him, right? Yeah, he yeah. plays first or second. I'm just saying so, in yeah. terms of so they could have traded, taken more than it, yes, than it took to get Colton, Colton Wong, yep. but he might have been something similar to what it took to get Teoscar. Yep. Right? I mean, like, so I don't believe that the process was as flawed as people think it was. I think that the execution on it was poor as of right now. And I think that was coupled with the fact that a whole bunch of guys that I think it was reasonable to assume were going to, if not all repeat enough of them come close to their repetition of from last year that that hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. Now I don't, I don't, I don't know why that hasn't happened. I don't, I don't have answers to that. And I know there are folks that say, well, Mike, congratulations. You're finally getting there. We thought this months ago. Okay. But I think you thought that because you didn't like the process. I didn't mind the process. I still think the process makes sense. And I know everyone's pointing at the Rangers and saying, look how well it worked. Well, why didn't it work last year? Baseball's not linear. Baseball's hard to predict. Baseball doesn't always go the way you expect it to. And that doesn't mean that you're not held responsible for it, which is why I'm more than willing to be dunked on. But I don't know that there's only one process, that there's only one way to win. And if you don't do it that way, then you're not trying. I just don't. I don't think that's the case. I'm not saying the Mariners couldn't go out and sign free agents or that free agents are always a bad idea. They may very well go spend more money next year in free agency and have some success. I just don't think it's as simple as that. And I I think that they have a decent process that takes into account some of the realities of their situation. And I'm not talking about their their payroll. I'm talking about the interest that other players have in coming here. I know everyone's pointed to J.D. Martinez. Yeah, okay, good luck. You think J.D. Martinez on a prove-it deal wanted to come play in T-Mobile? No chance. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, given the realities of the world... I think they have a good process. 
I also think that the execution this year left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Teo has the highest arbitration number in history. He's making $14 million. That's not because he's a lousy player. Like, we had a caller suggest earlier that he's always been a bad player. You don't get to that highest arbitration number in history without being a pretty good player for a while. That's right. That's right. AJ Pollock is making seven million bucks this year. That's not nothing, You're right? JD Martinez, who you mentioned, has signed a one-year ten million dollar deal. So you know they spent seven million on him. Colton Wong is making ten million bucks this year, right? In that in that trade, I mean th- those are millions and millions and millions mm-hmm. of dollars that were spent on players right now that are underperforming, underperforming, and underperforming some in historic ways. I, mean, I don't know if you've looked at Colton Wong's numbers. No, it's just it's atrocious. I mean, you can't even you can't even believe them. Right? Like you, <laughs> I mean, you, you almost can't try to be that bad. Like, and, and it makes you to my question to Shannon that you know, and she said it has to at least be on the table. This this very core philosophy of controlling the zone and and finding people. They certainly you know, and, and we've talked about this and asked Jerry about it. Their process sulk in finding pitching. And because their process along those lines of finding what, whether that is spin rates they look at, whether that's their green red zones they look at, whether mm-hmm. that's projecting into, into their park and into their system and into their coaching and into their development and that control the zone on that aspect of it has been pretty phenomenal. But the control the zone on the other side of it it's offensively has yeah. been more than problematic. Mm-hmm. And especially with veteran pieces kind of reminds me of some of those veterans that you have seen come in and try to play for Pete. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, this is the way we do it. This is the kickstep. Yeah, I'm doing it. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I got my own system, right? right? I got my own philosophy. Well, I got my own fundamentals. Seen, I mean, you know who? You know who's a good example of this? And it, it at the time we pointed out, like, God, how is this ever going to work? Was D Gordon? Yep. Remember that? Yeah. They brought him in. We were like, okay, well, he's been a good player, batting champion, but he's a free swinger, and they want like they tried to change him, and it didn't work, and like. That that's I'm not saying that trade kind of sunk that team. I think that would be an exaggeration, but it was a total mess. And mm-hmm. it, 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 I think you're right about that. There does seem, and we can talk to Jerry about it. Sort of what that looks like on when we talk to him on Thursday. Why is that happening? What what has been? Why have, are why, there other? Help me understand this. Are there other teams doing this? Right. You, doing and once what? again, doing this whole control the zone philosophy. Right, I mean, just really trying to kind of major in that philosophy. Do Do you think other teams call it just kind of different? I don't know whether they. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I would expect that a lot of teams are very concerned with the strike zone as being sort of mm-hmm. the most important thing that you do offensively and pitching wise. I don't know yep. how many else call it that or 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 put the same. That would be of a passing question. I, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious on a on a global level of. of you know, do other teams have these kind of mantras? Mm-hmm. And it's not a mantra or slogan. It's a belief. It's it's what they culturally really believe in. And when you listen to Scott and you listen to Jerry and you listen, as you said, you've used that word logic a bunch. There's logic to it. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Like you got to earn the right. You got to spit on the bad pitches. And then when you earn the right to get a cookie, you've got to eat it. Right. I mean, you have got to let it eat and you have got to let it go. And, you know, unfortunately, right now, just offensively, in every metric, Salk, they're just totally... So, so, so here's a question. And, and again, I don't know why it's not working. So here's a question. Is it too much thinking? I was, uh, I was out with Avery on uh, Saturday. I went to go play golf with my daughter, Avery, who's 11. And the last time she was out, we went to Jefferson. She played great. Best she's ever played in this little tournament she was in. Finished tied for first in her tournament, which was awesome. I was so proud of her. It was amazing. 
So we go back out there on Saturday, same course two weeks later, par three course, nine holes, and uh, it was not as good. She did not play as well. Welcome to golf, right? Just when you think you've got it. She's like, Dad, why am I playing so badly? It's like, well, because this game is stupid and it's obnoxious and it will punish you. And she loved it. Anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to help. Of course, right? I'm trying to do some coaching on the fly because it's just the two of us on a part three course. We're having fun. And I'm trying to work with her a little bit on like, okay, well, you keep turning your feet. Let's see if we can work on aiming correctly. So we started going through a routine. And you know what? I got so in her head talking about just trying to aim that then she couldn't do anything else. And the next thing you know, she's thinking about five things at once. I said, okay, enough. No more forgetting about the aiming, forgetting about this. Just go out and hit the ball and have fun. And she started playing better. She still needed help, you know, lining up in the right direction because half the time she was lined up for a ball to go 27 yards to the right. But whatever. She had more fun. And I do wonder whether this is taking some good hitters and filling their head up with more information well, than they really can use. Yep. I'll tell you that little anecdote that Shannon dropped on us uh, at the top of the hour about Cal Raleigh mm-hmm. and what he did in that 10th inning. Right, and how many times have we seen these struggles in these just critical at bats late in games this year where you're just like, man, just do your job. Just shorten up. Just put the ball in play. And what did she say? He choked up on the bat. Like, I don't care. I'm gonna choke up and mm-hmm. I'm gonna uh, and I'm gonna put the ball in play. I'm gonna do the little things, right? And I know it's not that simple. And if it was that simple, they would all choke up and they'd shorten their swings and, and they'd have this thing remedied. It's not. It's not ever, you know, like golf, that always quite that simple. But it does strike me collectively when you've got this kind of group struggle, right? When you're 26th in OPS, 27th in average, 28th in strikeouts, right? Just every every single metric, there's not your 20th in home runs. I mean, there's just not a metric right now that you can hang your hat on. And, uh, you know, yesterday I was doing uh, the USFL game. And it's, it's kind of fun. I mean, the USFL is a totally different season. It's 10 weeks. It's, it's, can teams stay healthy? It's, you know, a bunch of guys that are 4A players when it comes to like AAA and, and the majors in the NFL. Like they're better than college players. They're not quite NFL players, but it's fascinating to watch the team dynamics of it. And you see teams that the last two years now that have come together and totally buy in and have just in, in that short time have been able to hang their hat on something. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they're the ones that win and, and find success at the end. And I don't care what sport it is, you know, can, can you collectively hang your hat on something? And right now, it feels like a bunch of independent contractors that can't. You know, last year they did. That 14-game winning streak turned them. And, and there was a belief system. And they were going to get it done. And they're going to win these close games. And they're going to hang their hat on pitching and defense and, and you know, quality at bats when they mattered. And right now, what, what are you hanging your hat on through these ups and downs? There just isn't something. And now is this pitching inevitably – has come to a little bit of a stall against great, you know, hitting teams. Mm-hmm. You're realizing, like, oh man, this is uh, this is not going the direction any of us envisioned it could. So, you know, and I think maybe tomorrow with passing and the weeks ahead, it, because it's not today, it's not this off day. Do you make drastic changes? But in the four to five weeks ahead, you continue to play this way, you're going to have some drastic decisions to make. Well, you are because unfortunately, we kind of mentioned this earlier. It's not like 2010 Mariner, which is the most dislikable team maybe I've ever been around. Right, that's the year. At, that's the believe big and Sean Figgins and all that. There was mostly veterans on that team, and so when it didn't work, you know, it it, it yep. wasn't going to affect you long term. It wasn't coming off of a big rebuild, etc. This is your core. 
this is your nucleus. This is Julio and Kelnick and Raleigh and the pitching and all of that. And while those aren't all the guys that are struggling, and maybe that's the key to this, and maybe there are going to be more conversations about Gino Suarez and Tay Oscar and you know some of the veterans that are not producing even close to what you would want from them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that makes it even trickier because you gotta you gotta walk with eggshells. You can't blow everything up. But yet you've got to prove to those guys that you really care, want to win, and, and have a plan to do so. Yeah, it will be fascinating to see the voices that emerge. And I, if I had to bet on somebody on this team, a voice to become a little bit louder, to emerge a little bit more, I'm going to bet on Cal Raleigh. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going it, – It's A, it's positional. B, it's just kind of, I, I think, the connection he has to the to these fans, frankly, that absolutely adore him and love him for the hit that he made and even more for the way that he played through pain and all the stuff last year. And if he continues to, to, to find some rhythm and he continues to, to hit pretty well and has kind of that podium to stand on, I think you're going to hear more of what you heard with Corey Brock over the weekend. I think he's going to be the one in that core. I don't to. know if that's Jared's personality. I don't know if that's Julio's personality. I don't think that's Logan and George Kirby and Bryce Miller's personality. I think it's within him. And I think it's, as you said, it's going to become a have to. Like, he's going to have to take this over. It's yep. not going to be Scott. You know, I don't think that can ever be a skipper's voice. I think it's got to be somebody from mm-hmm. within. And I'm going to bet that he's going to be the one from within to hear a little bit more from. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Well, Brock, you did sort of allude to it earlier. With all of the talk of being dunked on today, I do have, for ranked, dunks ranked. Mm. Dunks ranked. And this is controversial because there have been some unbelievable dunks and dunkers over the years. So oh, wait, you're not ranking the word? You're I just said I'm ranking, ranking dunks and dunkers. And so, you know, some people have to get left out, which stinks. Thankfully, we yeah. do have honorable mentions to make sure we're recognizing their accomplishments. Like Spud Webb. The fact that Spud Webb in his day was even able to dunk, let alone in the dunk contest and do everything he did was incredible. Do you yeah. like Spud Webb? I did. I think I figured you ludicrous, would. ludicrous, pretty crazy. D Brown pumping up his uh, Reeboks and then putting his hands over his eyes. That was pretty awesome. Muggsy. Great dunk. Another not very big guy. Muggsy. Now did Nate, Muggsy Bogues dunk? Nate Rob. I don't. I don't think. Muggsy I don't ever dunked. remember Muggsy nah, dunking. I think he dunked it at the game. I don't think I ever saw that. Nate Robbins. Yeah. Ooh. Big hops. Oh yeah. Was, oh. It, was it Lisa Leslie? Who dunked yeah. in a oh, yeah, game years yeah, ago, right? Sure. That Candace was, Parker. Yeah. Candace Parker, yes. Mm-hmm. Tremendous. You have Daryl Dawkins breaking backboards left and right. You like Did that? Did you have that sound effect, Justin? Was that the one that you really <laughs> had ready? You said you had one really special one. No. Somebody, no, you didn't have no, that one? No, not that one. And those are great dunks, but I really was looking for some some like catchphrase in it. Mm. Ah. The choke slam. That's for his mama. Drop a sledgehammer. <laughs> oh, a facial. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. A um, couple of others, though, that I think you uh, you got to make sure you you mention, like you know Dunkin' Donuts, oh, yeah. obviously Dunkin' Hines, yeah, Dunkirk, the movie, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just because it's got a Dunk Dunkirk. Isn't that the name of the movie? Yeah. Yes, Dunkirk. It is. Is it this? Dunk, the beach. Dunkirk. What about what about Tim Duncan? 
Yeah, I got Tim Duncan okay. here. Yeah, I do have, and Michael Clark Duncan as well. Of course, make sure that we the green we get him in there. Do we have uh, Do we have a Duncan Sheik? What did he sing? Barely breathing. Okay, so you guys aren't actually. Right. Are no, you familiar are. with Dun- Are you familiar with Duncan Robinson? No. Who's Duncan Robinson? Put on the show last night to help the Heat win, even up the series with the Nuggets. Ah, uh, yes. I don't know who that is. Okay. <laughs> He's a good player. I don't have any idea. Who that Duncan is. Robinson. Okay. Oh, Duncan. Oh, Duncan Robinson. Yeah. Duncan Robinson. Duncan Roos. Played in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Duncan Roos. Hello. <laughs> Talk about. Like that, uh, Shaq. I can't believe that's not a top five though. That's kind of I like all of the Shaq. Anytime Shaq collapsed a backboard, that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Not just the backboard, the whole, the whole system oh, out of right. the ground. That's true. The entire, the entire apparatus. Apparatus. That's the right word for a little us. Michael Clark Duncan. I want it to be over and done with. Yes, I'm tired, boss. You can't put this in your rank because you've never even seen the movie. I didn't That's put it in there. Justin, Justin did. I've never yeah. seen you the never Green Mile. That? No, I've never seen that. He hates Tom Hanks. But I know Duncan Sheik. I am barely breathing. <laughs> I can't find the air. Don't know why. It's crazy that that's, that's not the Goo Goo Dolls. That's Train. It's the Goo Goo Dolls. It's milk toast, boring, <laughs> terrible. 90s. That but yet you'd rather play that than actual dunks on a sports team. Well, I'm ready to play some actual dunks. Now, number six on this list did not quite make the top five, and I feel terrible, but it's that hard of a list to get on is Vince Carter, who mm. one of the greatest dunkers of all time, tremendous in the dunk contest. First round for Vince Carter. Oh, it's over! It's over, ladies and gentlemen! <laughs> And certainly uh, his dunk in the Olympics over that French seven foot French guy yeah. is one of the all timers. I would put that right here, but unfortunately, the I just sixth man. It's perfect for basketball. Oh, wow, there you go. That's Why do you feel six? like he needs to be on there? Oh, I'm curious if there's five better. All right, well let me let me say number five. This is my personal favorite dunker. So I'm sure this would be the one of any of them that you might say doesn't belong on the list. Dominique, but I'm just such a Dominique fan that sorry he goes on here. Six line drive, Dominique. Oh my goodness! Did you see that jam? I don't know how he did that. That's just Dominique, man, just doing yeah, his thing. Yeah, like if dunks were exit velo. Yes. Like his exit velo was insanity. The highest. How hard. He dunked on that rim. Yes. Is he it the was. hardest dunker of all time? Like the best combination of dunking for power and yes. dunking for athleticism. Yes. Because the big guys, right? That you mentioned earlier, Shaq's as far right. as like the force Darryl on Dawkins, it. yeah. Daryl Dawkins, Moses. But as far as being agile and explosive. Doing strength, cool stuff and then throwing it down with that much power. Dominique's got to be on the list. Two Sorry. Foot. Yeah. He was He's pretty hammer. awesome. Right, so yep. That's number five. Okay. Number four. Chambers from Kevin Johnson. Oh, Chambers leaping over Mark Jackson, who was helpless. Oh, he was helpless. His knee was on his forehead. Right. He was a one-foot jumper. Neek was a two-foot yep. hammer. And Tom just, and he was big. He was like 6'9". And when he did that, he elevated, and then, like, the knee was in the chest. But then how did he elevate again? I don't know, but he kept going, and then there was, like, another elevation. And it looks like his hand with the ball is above the top of the backboard. It was crazy. An escalator of insanity. (laughs) Escalator of insanity. So that's number four on my list. You have any problems with these so far? Nope. Nope. I like both those. All right. Number three... 
Philadelphia 50. Michael taking off. The patented tongue comes out. He got 49. I don't believe it. That's Jordan from the free throw line. I don't know if the audio is the best, but that's yeah, Jordan from the tough. free throw line. I believe. Iconic. I believe, and Fresh may know, Taylor's in the room. I think that was in Seattle in the dunk contest. I think, was that the first time? I think it might have been, actually. I think you might be right about that. I, I feel like that was either the Coliseum, the old Coliseum, or the Kingdom. I think that that was in Seattle when he took flight. Historic. Okay. So any and now you, you see high school kids do that, by the way. Everybody can do that. Yeah. Now you see eighth graders do that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But when he did it, unbelievable, right? Yep. Iconic. So you any issues Fair. now, still? Nope. nope. I'm, right. I'm okay. You're okay. Good. Uh-huh. Number two. That was was that Calabro? I can barely hear it. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> it's a little out of the background. I didn't hear. Uh, hey, buddy, how you doing? So I'm not sure. That was poor Alton Lister. And that was the po- the pointing. Oh, it was yep. offensive. Six shooters out in your eye. Okay. Does that still belong? The Rain Man was an unbelievable dunker. All right. He was, by the way, he was better than Nick when it came to grace and power. He won up Neek. I'm he sorry. was pretty close. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. I saw a lot more of Neek just being in the East Coast, so maybe yeah. that's why. But in yeah, his I, prime, it was Sean Kemp was right there. I have no no argument for me. Okay. Number one, I don't know. You dunk on the legend in the playoffs to knock them out in the fourth quarter. Starks. Yes. What a move by Starks, who was able to sky to the basket. Starks goes, oh, so big, and look who was at the top, none other than Michael Jordan, and he couldn't do anything about it. He posterized Michael Jordan in the playoffs. Yeah. So I love Vince Carter's dunk, Yeah. but I don't know what I could take out of there. Getting a lot of texts, so we got one from Dr. J's Rock the Baby Oh, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Dr. J is awesome. Yep. Yep. For sure. Yes. That's high. That's good. Mm. Mm-hmm. You didn't even mention a dunk tank, did you, this whole time? No. <laughs> I left that out. I left out the dunk tank. Good. Sorry about that. You saw Shaq asking Adam Silver, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we played some of that earlier. Yeah, the best part of my day is when I went dunking. You think that's sad? Yes, very. Real customers know the holidays run on Dunkin'. There you go, yes. Just a little extra um, Dunkin'. Best. We got to go one make way for uh, Bump and Stacy. Thank you, everybody, for dunking on me today. Mm-hmm. And those are dunks ranked. Is that okay, Maura? Did you enjoy that? It got better. Oh, it got better. It's <laughs> nice to hear. <laughs> or it's still dunking on me. Let that be a lesson. We'll be back tomorrow with Jeff Passon. We'll see you at 6 a.m. Brock, glad to have you back. Until then, the hay. Is in the barn bar. See everybody. This is the job world.